is good, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Fundamism Podcast. I'm your host, Paul J. Long, speaker and master of shenanigans. Ladies and gentlemen, if you followed us this year, you know that we're hyper-focused on how to create more joy, fun, and fulfillment in life. There's a whole lot of folks out there talking about what and why things are important, but we could really dig in and figure out how to improve our quality of life. Well, then the probability of success goes up. So our featured fundamental today, it's exciting, guys, and uh, I think it's really going to resonate with you because our featured guest is somewhat of an expert in the area. The featured fundamental, master your mind. But before we get into it, I would be remiss not to shout out our sponsor. They've been with us from day one, Charlie Hustle. Go to charliehustle.com to learn more about the amazing clothes and apparel they got. They're dropping some new stuff. They're doing some amazing things in the community. And if you're a, a Chiefs fan, like this is Chiefs season, Charlie Hustle's doing big things. Go find your Arrowhead Collection shirt at charliehustle.com. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, that it, is, it is a very rare occasion that I'm blown away. Uh, and I think that by and large, the reason why that is, is because Society as a whole has become very predictable. We do the same thing. We close the same way. Our emails say the same thing. Our voicemail greetings say the same thing. And so ultimately, when someone does something different, it really differentiates them, excites you, and makes you curious. Enter our guest today. This gentleman reached out proactively, and I'm going to tell you the story, but I want to get him on here because you're tired of hearing me talk. This is Mr. Dre, or as we call him in the streets, Dre All Day Baldwin. What's good, Dre? <laughs> I'm doing excellent, Paul. Thank you for that introduction. I'm glad to be here. Man, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if you're glad to be here. Obviously, you are based on what you said, but I'm even more glad to have you because... Uh, what you did in your introduction to me. So, you know, we have folks that reach out that want to be a part of the platform or want to be a part of Fundamism in the, in the podcast. There has been one time now in uh, our illustrious 126 episode career. Uh, I say that jokingly, illustrious. Uh, you know, we're, we're still working on the come up, Dre. But uh, there's been one time, one time where somebody sent a video introduction and not only did they send a video introduction, but they pronounced fundamentalism correctly and made a, a personal uh, value proposition to the Fundamism podcast listeners. And that, my friend, is you. So as we get into our conversation, our audience wants to know, what do you do for fun, sir? Uh, what do I do for fun? Well, my work is fun. What I do for work is fun, just like yours, Paul. So my whole business is based on taking the mental tools that I learned in the sports world and teaching people how those same tools translate to the business world, how they translate, translate to everyday work, and how they translate to life in general. And that is fun for me. So when I'm at work, I'm having fun. And when I'm having fun, I'm at work. Well, I could tell based on some of the content that I've had the opportunity to, uh, to ingest that uh, it's yeah. something that you do thoroughly enjoy. And you're even rocking the hat today. It says yes. work. I can't. I think it says work on your on your effing game. That's what that's it says. Correct. Now I know says. that that's the platform that you have. Uh, work <laughs> on your game, and I love yeah. I love it, and it ties in perfectly to our featured fundamental, which of course is master your mind. And so I'm guessing that there was a time, Dre, uh, as a young hooper. Uh, and you know, back in the day, you didn't even know that you were going to be a hooper. You know, when I followed a little bit of your journey. Um, right. That, that you didn't necessarily have those those mindset tools that you reference to be able to thrive in whatever it was you were applying at. So talk to mm -hmm. us a little bit about your journey and how you started to uh, to really work through some of the mental fortitude and techniques necessary to to succeed in whatever you applied yourself at. Sure. So in my background, coming from, I always played sports growing up, but I dabbled, dabbled in all different kinds of sports, tried a couple of team sports like football, baseball. Those didn't do, do too well. Eventually stumbled on a basketball around age 14, which is, seems young, but it's pretty late if you're trying to go somewhere in basketball, like sure. college, let alone the pros. Didn't make my high school team until my senior year, sat on the bench that one year, didn't even play. Walked on in college, which for those who don't know what that means, it means no scholarship, nobody knew who you are, nobody knows who you are. You just walk, literally walk into the gym and you try to earn yourself a spot. 
Mm-hmm. And I was able to earn a spot there because I was a, I was kind of a late bloomer in sports, I, or at least in basketball, because I started playing late. So my game developed a lot later than most players who plan on advancing ambitiously in sport. I played Division three college basketball, didn't set the world on fire, but I did play in college, unlike in high school. When I got out of college, wanted to play professionally. Still had that ambition to keep going because I knew my game still had room for growth, but nobody knew me. So I had to learn how to sell myself, learn how to hustle, learn how to pitch myself, get myself seen, heard, and known in the basketball world. And when you're trying to play basketball overseas, that's a an industry that a lot of people, even to this day, do not know much about exactly how it works. But um, hopefully, I'm a person who's helping to change that because I've written four books about overseas basketball and just the intricacies of it and how it works. But I basically sold myself to an agent to get the agent to sign me. And then the agent did the same thing the agents do in the TV industry or in the modeling industry or in a literary agent industry. You got they it. go and <laughs> they connect you. They connect you to the job. So I got my first basketball agent. I had to sell myself just to get the agent. And they got me my first job and then started a nine-year career. At the same time, started a parallel career. Didn't know this was a career at the time. Put my first video on this new website called YouTube. And this is 2005. So YouTube was not YouTube back then. Back then, it was cat videos and the baby (laughs) did something funny, right? So it was just basketball videos. My audience were mostly basketball, up-and-coming basketball players. But a light bulb went off in my head, Paul, when I realized that these players were not going on the internet and Googling Dre Baldwin because nobody knew me at this time. Right. They were just going on the internet and looking for, hey, who can help me get better at basketball? Because they were who I used to be. They wanted someone to teach them how to play ball, but they didn't have anyone. So luckily enough for them, by that 2005, they had the internet to go look for. Whereas you no, know, back in the day, I don't know how old you are, Paul, but back in the day, we didn't have access to the internet to learn, <laughs> learn sports. You know, So we had to just, you were on your own. I was on my own to learn basketball. But I was able to kind of give back to those players. And then I realized that was 05, probably around 2008, 2009. Then it became, oh, this can be a business. Putting content on the internet for free, you were just a geek in 2006. But by 2009, you were a business person. That's so right. I already, had a, I already had a foundation in place by 2009. Started making my own products and services. Then about 2010, I'll wrap it up with this. Players just started asking me about my approach because they saw how consistent I was. They saw I was coming to the gym every day. And they saw I look like I can play, but they're like, who is this dude? I never heard of this guy before. So why do you come to the gym every day? Hey, can you teach me something about being more confident in the game? Or when I told my story, they're like, wait, you got cut from your high school team three years in a row. You walked on at D3 college, but you still played overseas. How do you even have an idea that you could even try? Right. Why do you even think that was possible? And they would ask me how I got started getting known on the Internet. Because by this time, I had a little bit of a buzz. And people saw the money coming in now. Yeah. So everybody wanted to do it. This is the early days of the internet, you no know, content marketing gold rush. So that's where working your game came from. When I started talking about discipline and confidence and mental toughness and personal initiative. And that's when people who didn't play sports started finding me and saying, Dre, look, I'm not trying to learn how to dunk. But when you talk about that mental game stuff, that stuff applies to everybody. Mm. So that planted a seed in my head. And then when I stopped playing ball in 2015, I went full time into this. And here we are now. Well, your I game love incorporated. It. A mas- yeah. mastering our minds collectively, right? Uh, right. There, there's so yeah. much to dive into regarding your story, uh, obviously being cut multiple times. And uh, I, I did read that you even started, like, so when you finally found your landing place, uh, when you did walk on, you started your freshman year. Is that accurate? Uh, of college, right. I was that's, started. That's crazy. Sure. Uh, and so what's crazy about that is that as I, as I delved into, and I typically... Full disclosure, I don't do a lot of research prior to going into these interviews. And I kind of told you this prior to recording. The reason being is because mm-hmm. I want this to be a genuinely authentic and curious interaction, whereas I don't really know much about you and the audience is, is experiencing you just as I am in real time. But you know, your story fascinated me so much because your introduction was so unique and so different that I, I kind of went down the rabbit hole of content, right? And mm-hmm. so uh, obviously I heard about YouTube and all that stuff. And we recently had a gentleman uh, that's thriving on YouTube as well, a professional dunker. He helps write uh, dunks for the NBA All-Star Game and stuff like that. He was on The Bachelor. His name's Chris Staples. Does that name ring a bell to you? I've heard the name. I don't know him, but I've heard him. So uh, a reason why I bring him up is because uh, you asked me or or made a statement. I don't know how old you are. I'm 39, mm-hmm. man. I'm 39 as evidenced by uh-huh. the receding hairline, the gray hairs in the beard, and my three <laughs> knee surgeries. Uh, but uh, but Chris Staples, he's he's got yeah. a YouTube channel as well, and he's got this this jump program. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to come full circle with you here in a second, Trey. 
But uh, he's got this jump program, and I've always really, really loved hooping. Like, I was a late bloomer as well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in high school, I just shot threes. I just sat in the corner, just waiting, set up shop, right? But as time went on, I found uh, quickness and uh, that, a first step, and I, I love to drive. Like, I, I became a, a slasher, and I love to mm-hmm. dish. And so I just spent hours and hours and hours and hours in the gym. And one of my bucket list items was I always wanted to dunk a basketball. Like, and I was always like, you know, them dudes that were like, yeah, I could dunk. Uh, but really what that meant was like, they could get up there and throw the ball off the back of the rim nine yeah. times out of 10 or what. That was me. I never really right. dunked the basketball. An so, aggressive miss. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> uh, but ultimately to, to, to wrap this story up, uh, you know, in talking to Chris, he's got this, this jump program. And I thought, how magnificent would it be? If I, as a 39-year-old man, three knee surgeries, decided to recommit myself to this goal. And so I, I embarked on an eight-week uh, program, right? An eight-week program of trying to master my mind and telling myself that I could do something that, quite honestly, I wasn't certain that I could accomplish. So mm-hmm. tell us a time in your life where you really invested all of yourself in something and you weren't certain that you were going to succeed at it. Wow. Well, first of all, basketball (laughs) and trying to make it in basketball when it came to just entrepreneurship in general, because I mean, I graduated college. We're we're the same age, Paul. So I graduated college in 2004. So this is before any social media existed. What we now call social media didn't exist at the time. Back then we had MySpace was the biggest thing that we had at that time. (laughs) So and there was no money to be made from posting on MySpace. Right. So as in, I was looking for somewhere to get into entrepreneurship because I knew what I didn't want. Now, a lot of times people say, you know, if you can't figure out what you do want, ask yourself what you don't want. Yes. And then kind of go to the opposite of that. I knew what I didn't want to do was go work a quote unquote regular job because the adults I saw around me, they had regular jobs. They never seemed excited about their jobs. They never had time. And they never had money. So right. I'm like, okay, I don't want to do that. But hey, maybe if I had a different experience and seeing other people who were happy about their jobs, maybe I would have had a different view. So, and also when it came to basketball, this is what people need to understand. Even though I tell the story in 10 seconds that I walked on D3, then I played overseas. There was a lot in between that story. Sure. That I had to, you know, invest in myself a lot to get myself seen in the overseas world. I had to go to this event called an exposure camp. Mm. An exposure camp is kind of like a casting call for basketball players, but they are not free. You can't just walk in and smile. You pay to go to an exposure camp. You pay to go to these open tryouts. You pay to go to the national tryouts for these teams. And I went to camps all over the world and those things cost money. And a lot of times I went to those events and I didn't get anything out of it, but that's the investment that you make. It's kind of like going to a conference in the business world. Maybe you learn something, maybe you don't. But the times that you do learn something, hopefully the application of what you learn more than makes up for the times that you didn't get anything out of it. So that's pretty much what happened with me. I went to probably... 15 exposure events slash tryouts over the course of my career. And all of those were investments that I had to make in myself. And a lot of athletes who had equal or even more talent than me just weren't willing to keep making those investments. They didn't have the mental toughness to keep trying because the older you get when you're trying something like that, like being a basketball player, being a musician, being a, a YouTuber, a TikToker nowadays, any of these things that seem more quote unquote young, the older you get and you're still trying and it's not working, everybody else is kind of looking at you like, okay, how long are you going to keep this up? Like, sure. <laughs> how long are you going to keep trying before you get serious and go, you know, get a real job, <laughs> you know? And that's, I had to have the mental toughness to kind of run on my own energy, Paul, and just go off my own confidence to keep trying, even though there was no one around me who said, Hey, yeah, Jerry, just keep doing that. Keep trying. Yeah. One yeah. day it's going to work. Man, what a brilliant answer. And I appreciate, obviously I wasn't taking lightly your journey through basketball and, and, uh, and the, tr- the challenges that you faced and, understanding that you you knew that there could be challenges in making it, but you kept trying it. Uh, I definitely knew that there was a lot of struggle coming, coming with this entrepreneurial world, right? Because I, mm-hmm. like you, have got to dabble in it and try to figure out what that looks like. And I can't... Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't help but listen to your story and finding an agent and the, 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 the showcases and all that stuff and see the parallels in the speaking industry or, or oh, yes. really so many more, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, a lot of folks don't know this to become a speaker, obviously exposure helps. And sometimes right. you're, you're given the opportunity to be in a speaker showcase well, you're honored. Like, oh, this right. sounds great. Yeah, I'll sign me up for the speaker showcase. All right, that right. costs twenty five hundred 
I'm like, well, damn, what do you mean? Like, I thought you wanted to showcase my skill set. But, uh, but I think that it's really important for folks to understand that, especially in this, this uh, society of social media and showing everybody all the great stuff that's going on, that there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that people don't see and how hard it takes and the mental fortitude uh, that you have to exude to be able to make it through things. So now we got it. We got work on your game, right? We got we got a strategy, and this strategy uh, helps, of course, showcase this master your mind fundamental. Uh, just energy brought us together. Just happenstance. That was the feature fundamental, and here you are. You got four <clears throat> tenets, four tenets of this uh, work on your game, if I'm correct. So yes. help us understand a little bit more about work on your game and uh, what it could specifically do to help master one's mind. Sure. So that came from, again, as I said, when the players were just asking me about my approach to the game, because I looked like I could play, but they didn't know who I was, but I had made it pro and they were just trying to figure it out. So the four tenants, I started talking about this in my content are discipline, showing up every day and doing the work, confidence, put yourself out there boldly and authentically, mental toughness, keep showing up, doing the work, putting yourself out there, even when the success you've expected to achieve has yet to be achieved and personal initiative, going and making things happen instead of waiting for things to happen. And those principles, those tenets apply across the board, whether you're playing a sport, whether you're trying to get into the speaking business, whether you're starting a business, you're trying to get a job, you're going to school, just living your life on a day-to-day basis. Those principles apply to everything. And that was the, the, I didn't even know it at the time, but that became the genius of the whole work on your game philosophy that I wasn't limited to sports by talking about it in that way. But is there something specific about it or a certain application you want me to talk about when it comes to that? Well, I think we're going to take a deep dive into each one of those, if you don't mind. Okay. And uh, of course. What, what I love about what you just said in that story is that, you know, oftentimes, uh, you know, you've heard this, you've heard a million people say it, the universe happens as and when it should, right? Mm-hmm. When you find what you're passionate about, when you find something that you live day in and day out that you're authentic about, ultimately things just start to, to fall into place. And so the work on your game strategy became something that didn't just apply to sports, but rather all walks of life. And I could relate to that so much because that's what fundamentalism is. Like everybody talked to mm-hmm. me about like, why are you like you, you even said, man, I, I like your shirt and the bow tie. That's a lot going on. And I'm like, yep, like this is like this is me. I'm 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 out there all the time. And what if inevitably happens is somebody always comments, somebody always asks me, what, what's the deal with the bow tie? Or, you know, why you why you got the team? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on your shirt or what's with the socks or whatever it may be. And what's created then is an entry point, an opportunity to connect at a deeper level. What you did in your introductory video that sets you apart from everybody else. And so long as you're being the authentic version of yourself, it's a real authentic way to create a differentiating moment to help people remember you and your content. So I want to I want to dive into this a little bit. So the first tenet mm-hmm. of work on your game, discipline, of course. And I, I read a yeah. little bit in your bio to where um, there was a time when you were still kind of growing into your skill set and not necessarily knowing what you got that you that you didn't put forth a lot of time and effort into getting better or didn't understand what it took to thrive in that space. Where did you where did you find that 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 switch? How did all of a sudden you realize that man? I got to dedicate myself. I got to have the discipline to show up every day and be consistent in order to reach or accomplish the goals that I set forth. Well, that's a great question. So here's what happened: when I was first trying to learn how to play basketball, like I said, I grew up in the in the nineties. We grew up in the nineties, so there's no YouTube, there's no internet to well, but the internet existed, but it didn't exist. Sure. So. You had to learn on your own how to play a sport if you didn't have a a parent or a brother or a coach. I had, I mean, I had parents, but they didn't play basketball. I don't have any brothers. None of the neighborhood coaches took me under their wing. So I had to learn on my own. So I would just keep coming to the court, coming to the playground. This is outdoor playground, not an indoor gym. Outdoor playground every day in the heat of the summer, Philadelphia, just working on my game. And I didn't even know I was working on my games. I didn't have a game to work on. I was just trying stuff and hoping I figured something out. And over the years, I slowly started to get better. So individually, I always had the ability to keep practicing and getting better myself. But when I went to, then I played high school, only sat the bench that one year. Then I went to college and my freshman year, I was a starter, but I had a few run-ins with my coach my freshman year because of my uh, lax practice habits. Because sometimes mm-hmm. I just wouldn't play hard in practice. 
And the reason why I didn't always play hard in practice because practice would always be the same stuff over and over again. The monotony was just getting on my nerves and I just couldn't get excited for it. And, so, and you had AI as a role model, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can blame it on Allen Iverson. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I'm from Philly. So same time. <laughs> so, go. all right. And then my sophomore year, I got recruited to a different school. So it was actually a little bit of a step up because the school I went to my freshman year was provisional division three, meaning it wasn't full-fledged division three yet. It is now, but it wasn't then. So I got recruited to Penn State Altoona, which was full-fledged D3. So this is kind of a step up. Now at this school, the coach was much more hands-on. He was much more, he just could give more time to the coaching program. Whereas at Abington, the program was not that big. So at Altoona, the coach is like, listen, if you don't play hard in practice, you're not going to play. Even if you're better than the guy playing in front of you, you will not play. And he wasn't lying because when I didn't play hard in practice, I didn't play. Yes. I played, but I didn't play as much as I should have. Like the guy who played in front of me my freshman year had no talent whatsoever. But I came off the bench and didn't play that much. And that was a really rough year for me because I knew I had the talent to probably be the best player on the team, but I didn't show it. Then my junior year, this guy who recruited me, he gets fired. New coach comes in. And anyone who knows anything about college sports, you know, when a new coach comes into a program, there's a shakeup. And in that shuffle, a lot of players end up out of the program, yeah. not because they can't play, but because the coach wants to bring in their own regimes. It's yeah. like a CEO comes into a company, a bunch of people get fired because they want to bring in their own people. So I ended up not even playing my last year of college basketball. I don't know if you know about that. Mm. Also, I didn't even play my last year of college basketball. I was completely eligible, completely healthy, didn't play. Now I'm thinking, how do I prove that this coach was wrong and the coach before that was wrong? And how do I prove that I was right all along? Now, I knew I had the game because I kept practicing on my own, but I also knew once I got into the pros, all the attention was going to be on me. And when you're playing basketball overseas as an American, especially a, a black guy, everybody knows who you are. Everybody can see you. You can't hide. Every eye is on you every single day in practice. So I just, it was just a, as you said, the switch just flipped in my mind. I had to treat practices like the games mm -hmm. because every player in there is watching you. And I knew players, I met players along the way who were older than me, who had more experience in the pros. And they're like, listen, you have to go hard and practice every day because you're expected to be like the influence on the guys who are from, if you're playing in Germany, you're supposed to influence the German guys. You're in Mexico, you're supposed to influence the Mexican guys because around the globe, at least at that time, it's a little bit changing now, but it's still very similar. People look at American basketball players like you're supposed to be Superman compared to them. Right. So you're supposed every day, you're supposed to be better than them at everything. So that means practicing hard, showing up every single day, working hard. And this is the point that I had proved it. When I made it pro and signed my first contract, I was the first player from my college to ever play overseas. So I had already proven my point. But now I'm like, all right, I got to make sure I don't become just a flash in the pan. I only do this one time because right. I know what I'm going back to if this career ends. I'm going back to doing whatever my parents were doing for a living. I didn't want that. Sure. So how do I keep this career? Got to go hard and practice every single day. Got to keep showing up. Got to keep working. And here's the thing that you learn. So I, was, I remember I was playing in Montenegro, Herzegnovi, Montenegro. We played a game once a week, Paul, every Saturday. So what do you do Monday through Friday when you're a professional basketball player? Turn well, up. we practice. Yeah, oh. we practice. No, we didn't turn up. We practiced. <laughs> we turned up on Saturday night, maybe after the game. But other than that, Monday through Friday, we had practice twice a day, mm. every day. So that's 10 practices for every one game. And when you're practicing that often as the American and everybody's watching you, you have no choice but to start turning practices into games. What if you had a bad game on Saturday? You got 10 more practices before you can redeem yourself. And that's how it is. So I really learned that discipline of showing up every day and doing that work through those overseas experiences and that you really have to set the example in practice every single day because you don't have a choice. If you have a bad practice overseas, you will get released from your contract mm. as an American. Yeah. It's not a bad game. Not a game. It's practice. <laughs> practice. Uh, <laughs> Billy Rays, I get it. I respect it. So, you know, there's two things that jumped out at me uh, outside of the overarching theme of your story. Um, mm. One was the fact that true learning happens through struggle right? Like it's, I think it was uh, Dolly Parton that says something to the extent of everybody wants happiness, nobody wants pain, but you can't have a rainbow without a little rain, right? And so your point of, of, of discipline and that switch that came on, it came from the moment that you ultimately weren't living what you thought you were capable of living. And it hits you right. uh, like a slug to the chest and it didn't feel good. And so as a result of that, you committed yourself 
But the second thing mm. that jumped out at me was the fact that you said practice is boring. Like it's monotonous. <laughs> and Andrea, I'm sure in your travels, you hear this regularly. I hear consistently that one of the biggest challenges to creating a life filled with joy, fun, and fulfillment or pursuing your dreams or growing as an individual is monotony, doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. So trying to find ways, uh, and that's part of, of the deliberate nature of, of what you'll experience in our relationship as we progress, is creating a new spin on these monotonous things that we do every single day, right? So mm. instead, of, instead of walking through practice the same way that you always do, identify one specific thing that you're going to do differently today, that you're going to hone in on, that you're going to focus and be so deliberate on that it just exhausts you thinking through it every single time. It's kind of like going to the gym and working biceps, right? Or, or whatever you're mm. working. Like you could work out biceps, or you could literally focus on every single muscle fiber in your arm and feel what you're doing as air is pumped into it. When mm. you focus your mind and have that, that mental toughness that you referenced, then ultimately things get a little bit easier. They get better and you grow accordingly. So that takes us to the second tenet of work on your game, which is confidence. Mm. Do you believe that confidence is in your DNA or it's something that is created over time? I believe it's created over time. Tell me more about and that. I think some people can be born with natural confidence. I think there are people who study that and do talk about some people can have more or less than others. And I think everyone as a human, I mean, when we're born, we have a whole lot of boldness and audacity and confidence. I mean, we cry and scream until somebody gives us what we want. Like everybody learn, Everybody's like that. But we get social, it gets socialized out of us depending on how you're brought up in the environment that you're in. So when it comes to confidence, I think there's a, you start really high, then you get taught to not be so confident. And then some people go back up and some people never come back up. So it can actually can be a little bit of both. It should be my answer. But when it comes to confidence, the way I describe it is being willing to put yourself out there boldly and authentically. And the thing is, confidence is not about a, a mask that you put on or a costume or uniform that you put on. It's a way of being. Real confidence comes from the inside. Yes. Now you can put on it. You can put on a mask of confidence, and you can fool some people some of the time with it. But you won't be able to fool all the people all the time. And most importantly, you can't fool yourself. And the thing that I tell people all the time is that confidence—the real confidence—has to come from within. Because if you are faking your confidence, or you're you know, faking it till you make it, as some people like to say, the problem is you know that you're faking. And you can't lie to yourself, but for so long. Mm. No human can perform or present themselves as something other than what they truly are for an extended period of time. So it's kind of like the story of Cinderella. You know, if you tell yourself that you're faking it, eventually the clock strikes midnight and you go from that beautiful ball gown back to wearing your rags and everybody's looking at you like, wait, who is this? And you're running home so nobody sees you. For so sure. real confidence is not faking it till you make it. It's becoming it. You decide who you are going to be as a person. And when you get your being in the right space, the actions that come with that being automatically follow. And then the results automatically follow from the action. So it's be, do, and then have. That's where confidence comes from. And when you're first getting started, yes, you can borrow some confidence from another person. But again, you can only borrow somebody's confidence for so long. It's like borrowing somebody else's car or you forgot your phone charger, you borrow someone's charger, but eventually you want their charger back, right? right. You didn't bring yours, not my fault. No, you, you got to get that charger back and eventually you got to run off your own energy. I so that's in the hotel how you borrow the conference. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I left one on a plane a couple months ago. For, man, listen, that's the yeah. bane of my existence. Uh, <laughs> I would let my, every single day I ask my wife where my wallet is. Uh, <laughs> and coincidentally, she always has it. <laughs> I think not. Uh, hey, but um, you know what's interesting about what you just said? Uh, when we think about confidence, oftentimes I feel like confidence is associated with acceptance. And, mm -hmm. and it, just, it, just, it just hit me right now when you're talking through that. Like oftentimes when you hear people talk about having the confidence to do something or like uh, I hear this, oh, I wish I had the confidence to, to, to wear a bow tie. I wish I had the confidence <laughs> to take the last shot right at the buzzer. Mm -hmm. I wish I had the confidence to go in and crush my interview. Well, 
all of that boils down to is acceptance, right? Like we have a fear of being rejected. And if, if mm-hmm. we exude the confidence and we go in there, we believe in ourselves and ultimately others don't believe that we have that same level of skill that we see in ourselves, well, then ultimately our confidence is shot. And so what's magical about what you're saying is it's not about everybody else. It comes from within. And once you find your unique abilities, your amazingness, the the differentiators that you have, you be, do, have. And as a result, the confidence blossoms. It's brilliant, Mm -hmm. my man. Let's talk about mental toughness. Uh, How did did that come to be a core staple of the work on your game concept? Wow, man. Well, if I had to take all four of these and only choose one, it would be mental toughness because it can encompass pretty much everything. Mental toughness is your willingness to keep showing up, doing the work. That's discipline. And to remain confident, putting yourself out there, even when things are not working. So you just launched your new product and you were really excited about it and you got crickets in your your sales funnels. (laughs) (laughs) No, all too well. Yeah. You made 20 cold calls to get a speaking gig and nobody bit. You didn't sell a single speaking gig. Nobody bought your book. Nobody's listened to your show. Nobody watched your YouTube video. Everyone in life has situations where no matter how great your plan is, no matter how much information you gather, no matter how perfectly you strategize, things are not working. You practice a thousand jump shots and you got that same shot in the game. You shot an air ball. It happens to all of us in life. Things do not work. Why? Because human beings are imperfect and no life is unpredictable. That's what makes life life. That's what gives gives it its spice. Mental toughness is your willingness to show up the next day as if what happened the last day didn't happen. Having the same confidence to shoot. I mean, we just had the we just passed the the anniversary of Kobe Bryant's death. The thing about Kobe that I hear people I heard somebody say on a podcast is. People don't talk when people talk about Kobe, they don't talk about his stats. Right? We don't talk about his field goal percentage or he had this many points, this many points. It was the mentality, it was his approach. It was the fact that no, it was the fact that Kobe could go 10 for 30 in the game, but nobody talked about the fact that he was 10 for 30. Everybody <laughs> talked about the, the three wild shots that he made and the confidence that he had when he shot them. Right. Right? It wasn't even about the stat, but every other player we go into their stats and their efficiency. Nobody says that when you talk about Kobe because he had the mental toughness. He was so mentally tough that one thing that he once said, he said, if I go 0 for 10 in a game, I, that was a failing game, not because I was 0 for 10, but because I should have went 0 for 30 because I stopped trying because I was missing shots. So mental toughness, and some people also call this grit, determination, perseverance, stick-to-itiveness. We can put this all under the same umbrella. Is your willingness to keep going, keep trying, and keep believing, even when things are not working the way that you want them to work. And honestly, Paul, I'm sure you know plenty of people. I mean, you say you're in the speaking business. How many people have you met when they found out you do keynote speeches, said, I want to be a speaker? Or they found out you wrote a book. I want to write a book. Yep. If I know you got a podcast, I want to have a podcast. Right. If I know you started a business, I want to start a business. <laughs> but as soon as things aren't working, it, there they go. It's tumbleweeds. You never hear from them again. For simply sure. because they didn't have a mental toughness to keep going, keep trying. Let me try a different approach. Let me get some new information. Let me try something different from what I'm working on. It's just the willingness to keep going, honestly. Just that, that ability to show up separates you from at least 90% of the population. And I'm really being generous. Man. Probably more than that. You know, you said that this is probably like if you could have one of the four, this would be the one. And mm-hmm. I think this could be this could be a singular podcast. Uh, and side note, you do have your own podcast that I'm guessing probably delves into a lot of this stuff uh, at a deeper extent or in a deeper extent. So we appreciate you being mm-hmm. on ours. Um, you know, so many things are going through my mind. First of all, if you're not watching on YouTube, I know that we don't have a lot of YouTube viewers right now, like our guy, our guy Dre. Uh, Dre uh, but ultimately, uh, go check it out because uh, we got some good content on YouTube. Uh, but I'm cheesing from ear to ear, just grinning from ear to ear as he's talking because there's so many parallels to life in what Dre's talking about right now. So as the Fundamental Podcast listener, uh, just to reiterate, we're, we're talking about mastering, mastering your mind. And we're leveraging this concept uh, that Dre came up with, all day Dre, Dre all day, uh, <laughs> that's really about working on your game consistently. And it's, it's based around these four tenets. One, discipline. Two, confidence. Three, mental toughness. And four, which we're going to delve into, is personal initiative. So when I think of mental toughness, the last year has been hell on a lot of people, Dre. Like just absolute hell. 
and trying to find the courage to persevere, trying to figure out how you're going to make it through the next day, the next hour, let alone week or, or month or year, is troubling a lot of folks. And what's interesting about this whole topic is, uh, you know, what what not enough people are talking about right now, Dre, is the, mm. the mental health tale that this pandemic mm. is going to play long after the pandemic is over, Right. Right. And so it's individuals like you that are going to help people get through these challenging moments. Interestingly enough, when you talk about individuals that come up and they say, hey, I want to be a speaker, or, you know, I want to write a book or whatever it may be. What typically I hear is, or as rather, an excuse as to why they didn't take the next step was I didn't have enough time or I couldn't carve out enough time in my day. So I want your take mm-hmm. on this. The other day... Uh. I, uh, I all of a sudden, like it just came to me, I thought, you know, contrary to popular belief, we have enough time in any given day to do all the things that we want to do, that we want to do. The things that we don't do, we didn't prioritize enough to do. And so I think that boils sure. down to your, your mental toughness, right? And understanding that if you truly want it, like how bad do you want it? Do you have that mama mentality? Do you want it more than you want anything else in the world outside of protecting and helping out your family? Well, then you got to go do the damn thing and you got to make it happen. And ultimately, there's going to be times where you feel rejected. But ultimately, <laughs> if you keep trying, you're going to get he's on fire. You know what I mean, Dre? <laughs> so let's get into personal initiative. Uh, why is this important? Well, personal initiative takes all this mental stuff and actually puts it into action. Uh, <laughs> we take, we take, we turn potential energy into kinetic energy, which is energy in motion. Let's go. And, right, going hand in hand with what we just talked about in mental toughness. A lot of people talk about, hey, I want to write a book. And I say, okay, how many pages have you written? How many words do you have down in your document? And we all know the answer is zero. No. <laughs> All right, I, I want to start a podcast. How many episodes have you recorded? Uh, I want to be a speaker. How many speaking gigs have you reached out and pitched yourself to? Right. Like, people don't even start. They have these ideas, but they never actually get going. And the thing is, I tell people, Paul, is the 10% rule of information and action. Meaning, you only need, for most things in life, you only need 10% of the information to get started. All right, to get started, to write a book, you only need 10% of the information. When I wrote my first book about 10 years ago, it was called Buy a Game. It was just my early basketball story. And it was mostly for my YouTube basketball fan audience. And I remember when I went back to do the audio book. And you know, when you do the audio, you have to read your own book. I'm like, this writing is horrible. It was terrible. <laughs> it was a terribly written book. But the audience loved it. We gave away 50,000 copies of that book wow. because the audience loved it because yeah. they were so bought into me. It wasn't yeah. about the quality of the writing. It was about the person they were buying into. Yes. And the 10% rule means all you need is 10%. You want to do speaking gigs. When I started to get into the speaking business, I knew nothing. I knew absolutely nothing. I just found some events, found an email address, wrote the guy, said, hey, here's who I am. I used to play basketball. I want to talk about this. Hey, I want to be a speaker at your conference. I didn't know anything about a pitch or yeah. you know, having a, a framework. I didn't know any of that stuff. Right. But I just started. And it led to another thing, led to another thing, led to another thing, and things started happening. And the thing about life, and I know I'm not the only one that this happens to, Paul, you can tell me, that whenever I take initiative and just get started on something, even with 2% of the information, all of a sudden, lucky things start happening, quote unquote lucky. Things start happening. Somebody meets me. Somebody knows me. Something comes through and things start working. That's what personal initiative is about. So 10% of information, writing a book, starting a podcast, being a speaker, uh, just putting yourself out there, starting a YouTube channel, whatever it's going to be. Now, there are a few exceptions. If you're going to fly a plane, get married or perform open heart surgery, get 100% of the information. Yeah. <laughs> but everything else, 10% of the information is enough. Go and get started. You will learn the rest as you go. And you have eliminated 98% of your competition who's just sitting by the edge of the pool asking how cold the water is while you are jumping in. Fascinating. Like this is... I could go all day. And I know you can, Dre, because it's in your nickname. <laughs> Let's keep going. <laughs> uh, so, you know, what's in, it's, gosh, like so many thoughts. Like, I just want to talk about everything. But, you know, what you just referenced in luck, uh, and then and then you, you kind of swept the luck under the rug and gave me the belief uh, that you don't necessarily believe in luck. Because what you went on to say that it was really all about energy, right? And putting that energy into motion. 
So I believe that we could see anything we want to in this world. Whatever you're looking for, you're going to find. So if you're convinced Mm -hmm. right now that you want to write a book, but all of a sudden these thoughts start creeping in your mind. Ah, well, I'm not the literary expert. I'm not that great at grammar. I don't know what my subject would be. Now, all of a sudden, because that's what you're thinking about, you start to see all the reasons why it can't be done or why you can't be successful at it or why it won't sell. And then it keeps you from from starting that that 10% that you referenced. You went on to talk about, you know, how things... These lucky items start happening. You meet the right person. Uh, You know, a a publishing manager reaches out to you, the right age, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be. And, you know, we call these universe winks and the universe happening as and when it should. That's not luck, man. That's energy Mm -hmm. that you created because you you were willing to put forth the effort in just Mm -hmm. starting. And I know that that's daunting. I know as the Fundamism Podcast listener, you listen to this and you say to yourself, easier said than done. That's what people tell themselves when we don't really want to do it, when we're not committed, right? But having this personal initiative and and mental toughness, the confidence to just put yourself out there and try, and ultimately the discipline to do the damn thing, you're going to experience some level of success. And the best part is you're going to fall flat on your face. And the result of that is when you pick yourself up and you try again, it tastes so freaking good, right? Because now you know what that failure feels like. So in Mastering Your Mind, uh, I, I realized that uh, through your many teachings and, and your bio and background, you've written 27 literary pieces. 27 yes. literary How do you come up with, uh, with 27 pieces of, of content that are that are, that are full, like that are all ideas fully baked. Like, where does that come from? Well, two things. Number one, I engage with my audience. So I read all my comments. I reply to the comments. I see what people are saying. And then I just answer people's questions. All my content is just answering people's questions, whether it's an explicitly asked question or the question that I think they have, but they don't even know they have. They couldn't quite articulate mm. and I answer it. So that's either in some free content or something that I'm going to make and, and sell. That's how I make all my content. Man, products well, and products. I know that uh, I saw one of your instant uh, Instagram posts recently, and mm-hmm. it takes us into, uh, I think it's your newest book, so correct me if I'm wrong, but you talked about uh, all of these these Instagram videos and Facebook videos of motivation where speakers are talking about, go do this and go do that. And what you said, it resonated so much, right? Because mm-hmm. oftentimes speakers or authors or you know content creators they're speaking from a place of personal experience. And so they're saying, you know, you could do this, go out and do what I did. When in Mm -hmm. reality, nobody can do it better than you. And so you have to find what that looks like in your realm. Enter the mirror of motivation. Is that the most recent book? Is it the most, it's not technically not the most recent, but it's the one that people should start with. Okay, good. All right. Tell us about, tell us about the mirror of motivation and uh, what it's all about. Yeah, I didn't know you were going to bring it up, but I got it right here in front of me. So. <laughs> Mirror of Motivation, Subtitles to Self-Guide to Self-Discipline. What this book is about is discipline is the first principle of the work on your game philosophy. So that's why people should start with this book. And I'll give it to you free. I'll tell you about that in a minute. The reason why people should get this book is because everyone who listens to a podcast or anything of personal development based, you probably have goals. You have things that you want to achieve in your life. And... Most people, unless you're an idiot, you understand you have to do some work in order to achieve your goals. So most people get those two questions down. What do I want and what do I have to do to get it? Even if you're not right with the answer, you you know you have to ask that question. But there's a third question that most people never ask themselves, Paul. And the question is this, who do I need to be? What type of person do I need to be? How do I need to approach life? What does my mental approach need to be? What does my posture need to be? What kind of energy do I need to have when I go and do the thing so then I can get the result that I want? Because when you get the being in place, then the doing automatically follows and then you get the results. But a lot of people in life, they short circuit. They don't do question one. They just start doing stuff. Right. This is how you find people who are spending their whole lives working. They're always at work always hustling, always grinding, team, no sleep, everything like that. But they're not getting the results they want, despite the fact that they're doing all the quote unquote right things and working hard. There's nothing wrong with their actions. There's nothing wrong with their strategy. 
The challenge is they have never asked themselves who they need to be because when your being is off, it doesn't matter what you do. It will never produce the outcomes that you want. That's why you got to get the being down first. Then you do the doing, then you get the results. This book, The Mirror of Motivation, will give you the frameworks for you to answer and ask those questions for yourself. This is not Dre hyping you up. This is not me telling you who to be because that wouldn't make any sense. This is you telling yourself who you need to be. I'm going to provide the frameworks. That's why it's called the mirror for you to figure it out. So all you need to do is go to mirrorofmotivation.com. I'll pay for the book. It's already paid for. All you do is cover the shipping. We'll ship it to you worldwide, wherever you live. Again, mirrorofmotivation.com. And we're going to have that in the show notes as well, Dre. So oh, great. listen, I'm absolutely fascinated by you, my friend. I know that this is the first of many conversations as we start to wrap yeah. up our time together. And, and uh, I'm going to provide you an opportunity to... To, to showcase and tell folks how to get a hold of you, uh, how to interact mm-hmm. with you, which you said that you do so well, and I admire that. Uh, before we do, though, uh, we're, we're going to wrap up with a, with a, a quick five-pack, just, just okay. rapid fire. I'm going to ask you a couple questions, uh, and I'll hopefully catch you right in your sweet spot off the dome. Uh, favorite 90s cartoon as a 90s kid growing up like me? Oh, Garfield. Yes, sir. Eating that lasagna. Yes. <laughs> uh, as a basketball player, as a hooper, who do you mirror your game after? Man, a lot of different people. There was no one individual. So Michael, so a little bit of Michael Jordan, some Kobe Bryant, some Dwayne Wade, uh, hmm. Penny Hardaway, because Penny was tall. He was a point guard. So, you know, when you're tall and young, they try to make you play center. For so sure. Penny was a point guard. So he gave us inspiration. Boy, Lil Penny's commercials back in the day, those always yeah. bring back amazing memories. Uh, an entrepreneur that you've looked up to. Hmm. Uh, Puff Daddy, 50 oh. Cent, Jay-Z, all three. And, it, and what's, what's the theme behind that? Why them? Why those three? Theme behind them, as opposed to an athlete, even though I don't do music, is as an athlete, you have hit the genetic lottery to even be eligible. I'm, I had the genetic lottery to be 6'4 with 40 inch vertical. But as a musician, you are competing against the whole world. Athletes aren't only competing against the other top 1% athletically. So in music, you have to be much more of a hustler. You got to be much more strategic to make it than you do as an athlete. That's not to say athletes don't work hard and they didn't earn it. A lot of athletes get mad at me when I say that, but it's true. Love it. I wasn't competing against everybody. I was only competing against the other 2%. And, and, that's, and that's everybody in life. Like right. when we figure out a way to stop comparing ourselves to everybody else and competing against your coworker, competing against your sister, your brother, whoever it may be, trying to get someone else's love and just love your damn self then ultimately you're going to find a lot more joy, fun, and fulfillment in life. Favorite mm-hmm. book you've ever written? Oh, written. Uh, my first book, By A Game. Even though it was horribly written at first, I rewrote it, so it's good now. <laughs> All right. Uh, so every year, uh, iTunes or Spotify, they have the year wrapped, right? Like you're the, the artists that you listen to the most. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if, if we perused your playlist, who are the artists that you're listening to the most as music means a lot to the fundamentalism community? Hmm. Uh, I'll give you probably four or five. Jay-Z, Pusha T, Gucci Man, uh, Future, and Drake. Mm. So uh, I love all those artists, but the one that jumped out at me the most was Pusha T. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, why? He, he should have won album of the year in 2019. They gave it to Cardi B, which is ridiculous. Shout out to Cardi B, but no, stop it. Uh, Pusha T was the album of the year. <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite line, my favorite line. <laughs> they love me on my Ric Flair. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they love me on my Ric Flair. Hey, so as we close up, man, uh, obviously, we talked about mastering your mind today. Uh, we talked about working on your game, uh, your baby, your philosophy, the strategy that you created featuring four tenets, discipline, confidence, mental toughness, personal initiative. Uh, I guarantee you people are interested in learning more about you in this concept of work on your game. Where do we go? Well, my homepage is dreallday.com. That's my website. You can read my bio and about me and all that. But the first place you should go after that is the mirrormotivation.com. Get this book. This is where you start. This is how you get into my ecosystem. But I'm on all the social medias and all that as well, of course. Talk to us a little bit about, so obviously you started in, in YouTube uh, in the heyday when it was coming. So you got into crypto before it became what it is today. Uh, <laughs> What is uh, what's your YouTube? Con- do you, are you still throwing uh, resources and energy at YouTube? And if so, what is your YouTube content like today? 
Well, I put all my, my biggest platform these days is my podcast, honestly, the audio podcast. So Apple podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, whatever, but we still put the video of the podcast on YouTube. So we still publish to YouTube, but my biggest one, if I had to kill everything and only do one, it'll be the podcast. All right, man. Well, as we close out, uh, this is your, your 30 second elevator close for why, uh, you know, working on your game is important. What do you want to say to the fundamentalism community? Why working on your game is important because everybody has a game and no matter whether you're a janitor, a student, you're just trying to figure out what you want to do with your life. You're an athlete. You want to get into this thought leadership space. You want to become an influencer. Everything is a game. And the great thing about games is there's always a way to win. And there are a set of rules that need to be abided by. And there are people who are already playing that you can learn from. So when you learn the rules of the game, learn how the game works, you can come in, bring something new to the table and well, working on your game is for three specific types of people. Number one, you know you need more game. Number two, you need to get better at showing your game. And number three, you need to get better at getting your game seen, heard, and known. So if you fit into one of those categories, we have something that can help you out. Remember when you said that you didn't even know what a pitch was? <laughs> a pitch? I'm a long way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you right. Know? At first, yes. Yeah, for know. sure. 100%. Yes. Well, listen, Drake, we greatly appreciate you being on the podcast. Uh, I look forward to communicating you long after this show is done. And uh, you are offering a lot to individuals out there who are looking for more in life. And that speaks directly to my heart. So thank you, sir. I appreciate you having me, man. It's a great conversation. We should definitely do this again. For sure. To the Fundamental Podcast listener, we couldn't be whatever the hell we are without you. Of course, the featured fundamental was master your mind. We understand that your mind could be a prison. There's a lot of things right now in society that aren't working. That's why we at Fundamism believe that we could all come together and focus more on what's good as opposed to what isn't. It's like Dre said, coming in, shooting 0 for 30 one day, coming in the next day and acting like it never happened. You have to find ways to create those brain pattern interrupts to get you out of your head and into your game. From the bottom of my heart, we greatly appreciate you being a Fundamism podcast listener and a part of the community. Go out and have some fun today and hopefully create some fun in the lives of others. Until we see you on the flip side, be safe, smile often, have fun, and deuces. Deuces.